Hi, and welcome back to the Louise Hunting Strategies Podcast. I'm Levi. I'm Wes. And today we have our first guest ever. His name is Jesse Streif, as we like to call him around here, Streif. What's up? Uh, so today we're going to be talking about preparing deer uh, from the point of shooting it on to the point of putting it in your freezer or in, actually even into your into your grill or wherever you're going to cook it at. Yeah. So, uh, oh, we were talking before. You shot your deer, go. So... When you get to it, uh, some people, depending upon where the how the lay of the land is, I like to face the rear end downhill if there's any kind of angle at all, and and then get to it. I start in. You're you're least likely to puncture the gut bag if you start your hole up by the sternum, and then work your way down uh, carefully. I go through the layer of skin first. Get down to the get down to in between the the hips or the pelvis there um at that point i don't want the guts or anything coming out and clouding up my uh, vision so i like to a lot of people are squeamish about it it's really important to cut out the b-hole um get just get back around there cut all the way around it inside of the in between the pelvis you're looking at um, the colon, and you got to cut around it because it's there's there's fibers attaching it, and you'll have trouble pulling it through, and you'll wind up with turds around on the outside of your meat. And nobody wants to eat poop that I know of. So cutting all that, cutting all that, up, getting it ready to pull through before you actually spill the guts out is important to me uh, otherwise you get too ahead of yourself you've got part of the gut bag or intestines laying over top and you're trying to hold them up and cut around things and just get get things started get things situated have somebody hold the leg for you really helps or or if you uh spread the legs and put your knees on either leg i like to do that if i'm by myself like mountain them yes kind <laughs> of like mountain them yeah I mount does too, you know, not just bucks. You got to get them while they're warm. That's the main <laughs> thing. So, uh, yeah. So taking, taking that out, I pull all the behind the diaphragm stuff separately. I get all that out of the way, all the, all the icky guts. And then you're left with, you know, the heart and lungs, which you don't have to worry about them spilling or contaminating anything. So you don't take your lungs out? Not until I take all the rest of the, the gut bag, the intestines, the liver, everything in the, the rear of the, the actual guts. Interesting. Because when then I, I, it, I Then always, I cut the diaphragm. Because I always reach up. I cut the diaphragm out, split the sternum all the way up to the throat, mm-hmm. open the, the chest cavity up, reach way up in, and I grab it by the esophagus, cut the esophagus completely apart, stick my finger down in there, and rip out kind of cut as I go and then I'll take the heart out because I don't I, I don't eat liver so I just take the heart if it's still intact sure you can still do that what I'm saying is you all the all the things the intestines and the the stomach or stomachs uh and things that can spill and and just cause bacteria icky shit once those are 
completely out. Then I cut open the diaphragm, cut through the diaphragm, grab the heart and lungs in one bundle. I reach up in there just because whether whether you have a big doe or you have a buck that you want to mount, you want to stop at the sternum for the cape. And there's the neck sometimes get a little skinny, but you can use or they professional taxidermists can use the doe's cape on a buck. If something you know for some reason the buck's cape is screwed up, they got a customer they can they can cape out a doe. So I always stop at the sternum because I can I can reach up in there with my meat hooks and just peel peel away. But I I like to get up there cut the esophagus as far up into the neck as I can too. And then once I once I get things home, I cut everything off the joint. So I worked for Mick Schwager for years. He taught me how to butcher. Um, I mean, what a life skill. I've saved hundreds upon probably thousands of dollars at this point doing all my own butchering now because it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> um, so you've uh, got all the guts out. You can cut the pelvis. Um, to pull the, the colon and butthole through. You can saw it. I personally don't because I the way that I the way that I go about it, I'm I'm able to preemptively cut around the, the bee hole the sex organ if it's back there on a dough. Well it will be back there on a dough. So. Um, they, don't, they don't get a choice. Or the <laughs> or the or the uh, or the the bucks testicles you can i don't think anybody's going to get uh pleasure out of it or enjoy that part but you also it's not the time to be squeamish and and acting like um a baby yeah yeah good 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 i was i was trying to think of a little more pc term than was rolling around in my head (laughs) So, so instead of being a baby about it just just grab a hold of them pull them give them some tension and cut Cut where you need to to separate that stuff, because um, the amount of deer working for Mick, we did. I don't know. Back in the heyday, I think we do around. We'll just say two hundred plus deer a year, and we seen a number of deer come in that were poorly field dressed. I mean, colon and butthole still intact. We seen any bladders and everything left in there too. Bladders. Um, the uh, the the uh, mammary glands yep. on does, you know, still had at that point nearly spoiled milk inside of them, and just oh, that's gross. yeah, yeah, and it's these. I think I think some of these people, um, they're what what some would say weekend warriors. They go out, they they only hunt deer season for they, they're mostly out there for the camaraderie, which is one of my favorite parts you know party hunting is is it's not the hunting part or the killing the animals part isn't the highlight the highlight is the the camaraderie between between the the party um then the you know shooting shooting deer and being out in the woods is obviously a bonus but a little bit of exercise walking around too yeah yeah. (laughs) sometimes that's the only time those guys get exercise (laughs) So these folks, they go out and uh, they shoot their animal, and they're kind of squeamish. They're like, ah, damn, I actually got one. 
I said I had to do the do the thing now, and they they leave the they leave the nuts on, leave the buttholes in, bladders, you name it. I mean, it's just um, we've had several show up in the past that were not gutted. Here is well, it's fresh. You guys, you guys do the gutting too, right? How long do they wait? I mean, it's just a couple hours. They're usually fresh. Yeah, they're yeah. usually fresh. When they when they come in ungutted, they're fairly fresh. It's still like, come on, still, that's, <laughs> that's rough. That's that's just being lazy. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna it's gonna cost. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> there's no charge. charge for that. I'd say that's a little bit more work for you guys. So Le- Levi does contracting year round. It you guys, uh, <laughs> that's an upcharge. Yep, gonna have to. But um, so the pelvis for some folks, uh, a little saw just. Throw it in your field dressing kit. Throw, you know what works nice. Um, Mick being a farmer, too. Uh, I think I think he's one of those guys that like can't stop working because like the winter time he still has cattle. The winter time things are supposed to slow down. Most farmers can like take a breath during the winter. Everything that you do is a little bit harder because it's cold and and whatnot, but. He decided that the winter was just too slow for him, so I better, better start doing doing deer. <laughs> Can't slow down. Got to keep working. Um, but he's he's got gloves for when he's AIing or when a when a cow is having trouble with the calf. He's got these veterinarian sleeves, and those man, they'll go. They're baggy enough. They'll go over your your coat within reason. And they'll go up past your elbow, so go to your go to your local veterinarian and and buy some sleeves if you're real squeamish. Then you've got a glove sleeve all the way. You don't have to roll up your sleeves. You don't have to stand there with your coat off. I think I've actually seen that at uh, um, uh, Tyson's before. They they had like a kit where they had gloves like that all the way up the arm. Oh, see, I always take my coat off just because of comfort level. You know, I'm just I get hot. I get sweaty when I get doing stuff like that. You know, it's sure. not like I get excited. I just, you know, it's a little bit of effort. And, oh, I get it. You know, yeah. I'm going to be dragging the deer out anyway. So I always take my coat off and when I'm shotgun hunting, and I'll give it to a, a buddy that I'm hunting with and just throw my orange vest back on. But I've done it a lot of times. Get done gutting, take your coat off, you know, or you gut after your coat's already off. You take some snow and you Rub your arms and hands yes, down, sir. and then you just stick it back in that cavity to warm him up just a little bit. Yeah. Try not to get blood back on you, but that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a really good point that you made about putting your vest back on. I think a lot of people, whether you're alone or with someone, I mean, one one clump of orange is is better than none. But if you're by yourself, especially you're peeling off your coat to do the gutting, that's a great point. Like at least throw your vest back on or something because. Otherwise, you're standing there next to everyone's target laying on the ground, and uh, and you're moving, and they see the white from a belly or something, and you got no orange on because you took the coat off because you're hot. Yeah, that's a great idea. Put your orange back on at least. Uh, it's all we preach all the time. It's always about safety. Yep. Yeah. So get your deer, get your deer cleaned up, field dressed. Um, I think my favorite deer yet i think my best tasting deer was actually a doe last year came out munching on some corn socks 
I shot it in the head at 60 yards, went out, cut its neck. You got about, with with a headshot, and I'm not saying, if, if you can't make a headshot ethically, don't go wounding the deer, you know, hitting it in the towards the back of the neck or blowing its freaking nose off, then it's going to die a slow death. Nobody wants that. Yeah, so if, if you're, but if you have, if you shoot your gun often and you can ethically make a headshot, it is really wonderful on a doe. Headshot, when you get up there, you can bleed that animal out. You've got a, roughly um, two minutes of that heart's going to keep heat. So you can you can almost completely exsanguinate the animal, get all the blood drained out, because the heart's going to pump it out for you. you just got to give it an outlet. So is there a, <clears throat> an advantage to bleeding it out, or is it just that it's cleaner when you drag it up into your truck and hang it? I think there's an advantage in the meat. Same reason, I mean, if you look at, obviously hunting is more difficult to get the same result as a packing house does. But it's keep the animal calm, 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 bolt to the head, done. No, uh, no nerves, no adrenaline getting fired up just oh so you're talking like livestock right now is kind of where you're getting well livestock and ideally uh, again with a headshot you you're able to do that best case it's hunting is hunting is not what a slaughterhouse is right but ideally for the best end product it's it's immediate death that's uh, some people say bow hunting is better because the deer doesn't know they just have a sharp pain. They don't hear a report of a rifle or a shotgun, so they're calmer. And some people claim that the meat is is better, less gamey. There's no adrenaline. I would I would definitely back that up, saying that as well. I've noticed throughout the years, bow hunting and shotgun hunting, bow hunting the meats you can definitely tell the difference. They don't have all the enzyme stuff running through it. Yeah. After they get shot, they especially a good double long. They run. They don't know what the hell is going on, and they just drop. Well, and it's twofold. Um, like you're saying, they don't know what's going on. But what else is happening when an arrow, a broadhead, goes through them? Cutting. Cut their the main heart arteries. is pumping blood. Yep. Yep. blood is oh, yeah, you're like you're saying, it's bleeding them out. Yep. 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 Oh, yeah, if you double lung, I've noticed double lunging a deer during bow hunting, there's no hardly any blood left. Man, there's They're not leaving. a whole lot pooling in the, nope. in the cavity while you're gutting or anything. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, I'd say... At least ninety percent done for you. Yep, yep. So, kill the deer as efficiently as possible. And and I, I was just in a situation where I I know my gun very well. I was able to to make a clean clean headshot. Dropped in her tracks. No no tracking. No messing around. I went up within maybe thirty seconds. I was to her. Let her out gutted her and that was some of the best tasting deer meat that i've i've personally ever had so was it just less of that gamey flavor or yeah the meat yeah it has less of the the gamey flavor that that um not the typical you know venison you get a get a big old buck that ran and in a party hunt people several people help finish it off because it's just full of juice and strong as hell that and coming off the rut too full of testosterone yeah those those animals will taste 
venison. Yep. They're they're gamey. I know I'm kind of a sick individual. I kind of don't mind that flavor. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you can just go buy a cow at the store. Well, I don't. I mean, I like eating beef, but there's just something about eating deer. Man, this is this is good. This oh, is what we should be. Eating. Yeah, and it's ten times better for you. Anyway. Yeah, they. I mean, a lot more lean, a lot better for your just your body in general. You know, I think we were talking about this earlier. Uh, well, the other day when I was talking to you on the phone about the proteins or something yep. like that, you said there was they're similar but they're different. Yeah, they're real similar. And um, when you break down the meat, you're looking at you're looking at uh, for beef, it's like eighteen percent protein, five percent fat, one uh, percent vitamins and minerals, one percent carbohydrates, and seventy five percent water. So that's the average of the different cuts are going to have different ratios, but that's the average on a beef. And deer is pretty close, slightly higher on protein. Um, the fats, the fat is is lower too. So, so there's yeah, three, it's a lot more lean in it. Yes. Um, so there's three types of fats. Subcutaneous fat is the fat layer underneath the, the hide, in between the the meat and the. That's like that slimier. Kind of uh, no, like fat. the fat cap. If you oh, will. that yeah, okay, that, that, that that's, thicker. Yep, across know. the back straps, that fat layer, um, in between the meat and the hide, all that that fat is subcutaneous fat. Real quick, just to cover. Okay, you know that sliminess I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. What is that? You know, I'm not, I'm not for sure. It's connective tissue that's close to the outside. So different different things are happening, especially when you kill the animal um you're you're actually your meat is becoming more acidic as soon as the animal dies chicken pig beef deer it, it goes from meat is is close to uh 6.8 on the on the acidity scale so, so it's, it's almost almost neutral when that animal's alive and it drops to 5.2, this is the, the data, 5.2 to 5.5 on the pH scale. So it becomes more acidic. When the meat becomes more acidic, it starts to push out the myoglobin. That's why you have purge. So when you hang an animal or if you butcher it right away and uh, debone it, you'll notice when you do that without hanging the animal, you'll notice a lot more of the not blood, red juice. It's actually myoglobin mixed with the water from the deer. So when that meat becomes more acidic, the muscle fibers are contracting and they're pushing out moisture. So that's where you get the purge. That's that's where you get the the odd like slimy stuff. It's just that all the connective tissue is um, catching the moisture as it's being squeezed out of the meat, which so, is seventy five percent water. Okay. I- we're going to get back to the fat, but I wanted to ask you, is it better to hang them for a couple of days if I think, it's cold enough? Yeah, or? I think it's really important to hang them. Let the muscles, it lets them relax. It lets some of that purge go out on the ground. You don't, the purge isn't going to uh, make your meat any juicier. You know, if, it, if that was the case, the, the purge or that, the, the red juice um, is myoglobin, which is a, a protein mixed with the water inside of the meat and myoglobin works with the hemoglobin so it has this red tent it's 
chemical change, but it's not blood. If it was, if it was blood, that juice that you get in the bag, uh, if you have a bag of meat or a tub of meat, and after a couple, couple days in the fridge, letting it cool before you get to the grinder or whatever, all that red juice, if that was blood, it would thicken, it would coagulate, it would, it would turn almost black, like any, our blood, beef blood, doesn't matter. So it's not blood. A lot of people get that confused, and I get it, but when you break it down, it's not blood. So those juices, they're not benefiting you. Like I said, it's mostly water. And if, if that purge was helpful for your meat, well, while you were grinding up your deer, I want this to be the juiciest hamburger. I'll just dump in a gallon of water. No, that's not how it works. Once it's, once it's lost from muscle fiber, it can't be stuffed back in. So <clears throat> to go back to the fats, though, so you're, you're the, what was the first one you said? Subcutaneous fat. So yeah. that's the fat cap layer. Um, then you have, so I think everybody can picture a ribeye, right? You've got the fat on the outside, on the outermost perimeter, and then you've got, that's the subcutaneous. And then you've got the big clumps of fat. You know, maybe slightly bite size or close to it inside of the muscle structure. But it's what it is is that that's intermuscular fat, intermuscular fat is those big globs. They're actually in between muscles, between muscle layers. And then you have intramuscular fat. That's the marbling. So deer have little to no intramuscular fat. Because they're so lean, because they're, I mean, they're always freaking moving. Beef, uh, if you had, if you had beef finished in a, in a very active manner, if they were out on, on nothing but grass and acorns and you were, they were moving and running from predators all the time, they would have less marbling. I myself am a portly gentleman. <laughs> if yeah if you, you said you got a lot of marbling yeah if you had a cross section to me i've got a, a a great amount of subcutaneous fat but also streif is wagyu <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a5 bougie say. yeah <laughs> i bet i'd taste good uh, <laughs> you know i don't ever want to taste streif well i don't want you to taste me either but you know donner party didn't want to either yeah, well, <laughs> you do what you got to do. So, so that, uh, yeah, deer's a lot leaner, It's, but it's, it is higher in protein when you break it down than beef. So that's why a lot of people say deer is, is healthier. Lower, lower fats and carbohydrates than beef, higher on protein. Um, and I don't mind that gamey flavor either, but a lot of, a lot of the flavor, I think if you cook things right, makes a huge difference um so let's see do we wrap up the field dressing i guess uh hang it for at least at least overnight let it hang well, i think when i was younger when we had decent winters around here you know <laughs> you know 10 10 years ago plus <laughs> yeah. um we used to you know it would always be below 30 degrees if not even colder and we'd let the deer hang almost for a week yeah if not you know if we got it let's you know we used to always hunt second season my group did and uh so we let's say we shot it saturday 
Well, we'd let it hang until the next Sunday when we did all of our butchering. Mm-hmm. So some of them deer were hanging for a full week. Yeah. You know, and I guess I never noticed any difference in, in taste or anything, but that was, was also the- because I was sending it. So I just got into processing my own deer from mm-hmm. start to finish. I used to just take it up to a locker skunk. You know, we just, okay. we'd skin it, we'd debone it, everything, and we'd just take the meat up. I want to say this for everyone. I don't I don't mean to, to shame you or anyone else that skins their own deer. But unless you really want to take the skin off or uh, go get gloves made out of it or get that, get that coupon at Tyson's, you got to get your coupons. I get it. Um, let if you're taking it somewhere else, let the butcher take your hide off for you. There's there's a certain process in taking the hide off that after you do enough of them, you find that the pre-scun deer that come in, the meat is dirtier, and that layer of uh, connective tissue is sending you the, the outside layer everything you have to reskin the deer essentially i mean but pretty much if you skin it take it in it's potentially contaminated so you got to cut all that you have yeah you have more, more bacteria out. more bacteria on the surface of that meat and all that outside layer i mean i've seen deer come in that were nearly black oh, because they that outside layer you, you peel off a 16th of an inch and you've got good red meat, and that's fine. But as a butcher, we're not going to just grind that dark, dried leather layer Don't on the outside of the Don't they call that pellicose or something like that? No. I think it's, I think that's a term they use for that. I think it's the outer layer that you're talking about. I think, it, I think it's called pellicose. Okay. I've not heard that or, or looked that up. Well, I know when, uh, like, they age meat. Mm-hmm. That's the outer layer. Sure. It's called the pelicose. Yeah. So I think that's what it is uh, to just like experience. Sure. So leave, I leave the hide on when I hang my deer. Freezing, you're saying you leave it, leave it hang for a whole week. And that's great. But if it's freezing and you're bringing it in to warm it up and then butcher it after, you know, bringing it, usually... Usually we would bring them in out of the walk-in cooler, frozen, frozen stiff, and hang them the night before. He only keeps it about 45, 50 degrees in the shop. And overnight at that temperature, they would thaw out just enough that we could you could really work with them the next day. Uh, and we were doing 14 in the heyday. We were doing about 14 deer a night. I'd get out of get out of school and uh by cutting a starting to cut by four thirty, five o'clock and we by nine o'clock we'd have about 14 deer done that's impressive yeah you get you get really good at it. all the bones stay in the same spot they don't uh sound like they're moving yeah yeah the bones it's 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 amazing actually that all the all the joints all the bones they stay stay right where they are from deer to deer (laughs) i had dreams i had dreams about uh my first year helping him i was green and so my first year there was i was learning a lot 
and all he had me doing was front shoulders so I couldn't screw those up. So I was a front shoulder guy. I started having dreams. I guess I, looking back, I call them nightmares about cutting up front shoulders. Because <laughs> you're but just I got, doing so many of them. Yeah. But I got really good at them. So what is, in your opinion, the hardest cut? The hardest cut or the toughest cut? Toughest, you know, to, to, no, not to, to get off. To completely no, we're not to the uh, to the cooking process. Right okay, yet. I'm talking. You're okay. So now you've got it quartered. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got it laying there. You got your hind legs, your rib cage, front shoulders. Yeah. What is, in your opinion, the toughest cut to get off, or or you know, to take out piece by piece? I think what most people. Uh... Uh, you're butchering your deer, but you can also you can also butcher it. <laughs> oh, I give you so to so to speak. So screw it up. So the hind leg, cutting it off the deer, is with practice. It's simple, but finding because I don't use a saw for any of it. I I drop off the bottom twelve to fourteen inches of leg. I cut it at that that knee joint. Um, just past the Achilles tendon, and I, I snap that off. I actually leave that out in the woods. Um, I don't I don't take anything with me other than what I what I need to, to take that animal in. I'm not, I'm not carrying those those parts of the legs. Obviously, you leave your guts in the woods. Leave it all there for the coyotes and, and birds to munch on. What I've what I've found is once you pop that hip joint open and you figure out where that, that eye of the, the ball socket is, then your trick is is staying close enough to the hip where the muscle wraps up to the, the backbone. Uh, you're going to lose your sirloin tip if you don't. You're going to leave your sirloin tip on the carcass, rather. So I think, I think the hind leg as a whole is the, I mean, from cutting it off to separating the roast to, then you're, you're also separating the roast and you're also, um, what you're running into is lymph nodes. Uh, most of the lymph nodes that you need to cut out are also in the hind legs. So there's, there's just a lot going on in the hind legs and those are your, your premier cuts. So those lymph nodes, those are those little white and grayish looking yeah, and pieces. Yeah cut them open it's like it looks like brain almost in there it's kind of gnarly yeah kind of kind of icky you don't want those in your meat like you people look at them think they, they're pus pockets but they're, they're sure not. yeah some people um i i've i've cross-sectioned a few of them because i you know just hey, curious um or as you're cutting you know your 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 knife knife nicks it there's nothing there's nothing gonna ooze out uh, on a, on a, at least on a healthy animal, there's nothing going to ooze out or you know get anywhere. If you if you do hit one of those, just just give your knife a a wipe down with an alcohol wipe or or run it under the water, soapy water, a little bit, clean it up. Just I don't know that there's any bacteria, or bad bacteria to transfer. That's such a big thing. Like even even skinning, some folks will use the same knife. I switch like or I I switch or clean my knife after after I skin it. Um, there's, there's poop 
sometimes and all kinds of other bacteria, especially with, with you know, farm-raised beef cattle and pigs and things, um, but with deer as well. Like they, they'll, they'll lay on each other's poop. They're, <laughs> and their bedding areas and stuff, they just poop and pee right where they lay. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, so, so using a different knife and being careful to not get too deep. Bacteria is, that's what makes people sick. So if you can avoid putting bacteria anywhere near the meat, all the better. So, quick question. You're talking about knives, and it kind of got me thinking. I know we have talked about this before. What's your favorite kind of knife? I use a Victorionics. Um, they're uh, Swiss, Swiss-made knives. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. They're reasonable. They're like 25, 30 bucks. Semi-stiff. I don't like uh, some, some folks, uh, like using a fillet knife too, too flexible for me. I like, I like, um, not quite, not quite rigid. They're no flex, but so they, the ones I get are, uh, Torionics six inch curved boning knife semi-stiff so you use that from the skinning process all the way down to the whole thing the whole thing yep, yep. And, you, and you you probably got a couple of them or you just clean it as you go i've got a couple of them so i'll i'll clean it as i go um clean it as i go when i need to the main thing is if the deer has been taken care of out in the field coming in into the shop it's been taken care of and handled properly you've got a, a better end product you have, you know, so you skin it down, you get it skinned down. You want to clean that knife. Then you want to singe what you can. Some people hose them off. I don't recommend that because you're adding moisture to bacteria. And what is bacteria like? Moisture <laughs> multiplies. Yeah. So if you can, if you can avoid the moisture, it's better. If you, if you nick the gut bag or something like that, absolutely take the hose to it. Get it, get it because you know it's the lesser of evils. But especially like a gut shot deer or something. Absolutely, absolutely. Then, then for sure, I I would recommend hosing it out. But if you can avoid it, if you just got some, you got some, you know, your your blood pooling laid in the back of the truck, coagulated, like if it really bothers you to scoop that scoop that clotted stuff out by hand, but don't. Don't rinse out clean blood with water. You're just introducing a, a nice habitat for pathogens. And things can still grow um, beyond freezing. But bacteria, the, the danger zone, will not to jump into cooking yet, but the danger zone is from 40 degrees. They're about 40 to 130 is the danger zone. That's, that's a pretty wide range. That's where bacteria likes to grow the best. Yeah, usually uh, when I singe off the hairs, I use like a map torch. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. A little propane torch works great. Um, this, the hairs just pop right off. Uh, there's there's very few left that you have to pick by hand as you're as you're cleaning the deer or deboning it. I'd rather find deer hair than a hair in my store bought food. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've had um, I, I over the years worked with worked with a, a few different people, and and some folks would say, "Oh, 
they don't they don't like a little bit of deer hair in their in their meat, then they shouldn't be deer hunting. Like, well, yes and no. Finding a stray is one thing, but um, clumps that's a different story. Well, yeah, there's 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 a way to clean clean the hair off. I mean, I'll take I'll take some meat if there's a piece that the hair didn't singe off. I'll lay the top layer off and I'll throw away a you know, quarter pound of meat if need be because it's just full of hair and uh, I don't I don't like I don't want hair. a mouthful of hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, you grind it, you grind it and it mixes in, so you only have like a hair in your mouth every every four burgers that you eat. I guess my question for you: You were talking about cutting around the butthole and stuff and splitting the pelvis. I found just my opinion on it. I try not to split the pelvis before dragging it out because I don't like back legs flopping. I mean, I still get a good cutter on the bladder, the butthole, get that all drug out. I mean, sure. do, you, do you split the pelvis? No, I do not. It? Oh, okay. What I don't like about splitting the pelvis is the, the bone fragments. Yeah. I tried, that's why I try to, anymore, when I was younger, we never, well, I actually, my group never split the pelvis. We've, we've always cut around the b-hole, the you know, the lady parts and the everything mm-hmm. like that. We've always cut around those. Yeah. And pulled out of the top and whatnot. Um and I've I've found myself the older I get and the more I do my own processing just to keep bone chunks out of the meat. Because, you know, nobody wants to bite into a piece of bone. Yeah. And that's contaminated. Um I, I always try to find the joints now. The further in that I go, I I'm always doing as you do i would say yeah and it's not bad i mean your first time your first time doing it you might screw up and you're probably gonna dull your knife to <laughs> oh yeah i've been there done that you yeah know? i still screw up i mean i've been doing this for quite a few years and i still screw up all the time yeah i mean i don't because i'm perfect but <laughs> uh, I, I heard somebody say perfect perfect is only found in the dictionary and that's that's the truth that there ever was. What are you an encyclopedia over there or what? <laughs> no. So don't worry about screwing up. Keep it clean. Screw up on your first one. And as long as you learn from it, it's you know, failure failure is only failure if you're not learning from it. So if you're if you're starting out doing your own, just keep things as clean as, as possible and you'll you'll pick up your own intricacies i know i have over the years i've become what some people uh would consider anal about butchering okay i got a quick question for you since i had somebody on facebook the other day they said you know they were just going to stick to the butchering but they wanted to have a podcast on what starters into hunting need well as a starter into butchering what would you need a knife a way to sharpen that knife i use a work sharp sharpener I've, I found that the works best for me. Um, just being able to, to keep your knife sharp. So all you really need is a knife. You need a spot to cool the animal, whether or to hang that will support the animal, obviously. Even if you have to, if you don't have a walk-in cooler to hang the whole animal, you can, you'll get more purge in your totes, but you can debone the animal right away. You can debone it if you want to. You can debone it when it's warm. It's more optimal to let it hang, but you can. If you're just starting out. You don't. 
people take elk, antelope, and uh, bighorn sheep, they, they take those animals apart out in the field and pack them out in quarters. There's nothing saying that you can't take the animal apart on the ground, skin it so that you have the hide laid out as a, as a blanket for you or a barrier between the ground and the animal, and take those quarters out. A little, little messier, a little more hair is probably going to wind up being on the meat. But just cleaning it up, if, you, if you're comfortable with eating it, and you, you know the, the risks of bacteria and everything, keep things clean, keep your knife clean. If you hit the gut bag, you know, finish gutting, but don't let that knife, wipe it off, clean it up, don't let it touch any of the meat. Certainly, don't cut into the meat with a dirty knife. Um, and you're, you're going to have you're going to have a good product in the end. So I, I would say a knife, uh, a place to hang it is ideal. A cutting board, you can do it one quarter at a time. So it's, you don't need a whole table. It's, again, it's ideal to have a nice work area, a nice surface to, to lay things out on. But all you need really is a, you can do it in your kitchen. But before I had my, my shed outside of my house, that's, I butchered my deer one quarter time on my kitchen counter. Yeah, that's that's what my dad and I do. We he's got a big island down in his house, got a nice tree in the backyard. One quarter at a time. I mean, it takes a lot longer, but it's it's worth it doing yourself in the end. Yeah. I'm kind of pampered, you know. I like to I like to, you know, treat myself. Sure. So, you know, I'm gonna buy myself a winch system and winch it up onto my rafters in my shop and then once I get done there then I'll take the front half and everything down and I've got a stainless steel table and I've also How do got you guys a like to hang yours you, you said you hang yours in a tree you and your dad what would you yeah. guys hang them from the front from the back we hang ours from the back Same. and then yeah we hang it from back we usually depending on weather if it's if it's warm out warmer anyway we'll leave the hide on you know split everything open once we get back to the house, completely open. Yep. And then, except if it's warmer out, we'll go down to the gas station or store, pack with ice overnight. Just you can do, do a lot with the, yeah. You can pack an ice in the chest cavity. Yeah, it really does. But you if can, it's you can cool the deer that way. Yeah. But if it's if it's cooler out, we'll skin it completely. I know you said don't do that, but we do it. But we skin it completely, wrap tarp around it, let it hang overnight, and then you can't see the next in a tarp around. It. Yeah. And then that outside layer from right turning into jerky. Yep, pretty much. And then yeah, the next day we'll let it hang overnight. We got to go out the next day in the morning to get one more deer because it's just him and I, my mom sometimes. But we got both of them that day. Let them hang overnight. Start butchering right away in the morning. For sure. That's he pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, unless I don't have time, uh, you know, I don't work in the winter time, but in the fall, I mean, that's our busy time. So if I shoot a deer on a Sunday. Well, if it's Sunday night, I'm butchering it all night. Mm-hmm. I am. I might quarter it up and throw it in my fridge because yep. I, I actually have a I have a beer fridge. It's not always just meant for beer. Yeah. So beer, I take deer. it. And I, I, <laughs> beer, deer, you know, whatever. And I'll just take everything out. You know, all the shelves and everything. Yep. And I'll put plastic tote down. I'll just take a Rubbermaid tote. Sure. Set that down. Make sure you clean it with hot water and soap. Yeah. Went, rinse it out and put everything in there as much as I can. I try to hang it, but I don't have quite of a hanging system that'll work yet. Side note on that, you said Rubbermaid, but like 
they have at Sam's Club. They have um, they have busing totes for, for restaurants, busing tables. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, I've I've seen people I've seen people with uh, I'm not sure if they're actually food grade, but I've seen people that had uh, heavy duty kitty litter bases. It, hopefully, they never used them for their intended purpose. They <laughs> they, they use the weird don't. people out there. You never know. Just clean it up. I mean, you can use Rubbermaid totes. You can use busing totes. You don't have to spend. I think the I think one one uh, LEM tote at Tyson's is sixteen dollars now without. Oh, at it. least yeah, yeah. You don't you don't have to have that. Yeah, you don't have to spend a fortune to save a fortune. I should say for yeah. processing. Absolutely, you can you can do things pretty reasonable. Um, the knife. For me, that the knife is one of the most important parts, because otherwise you're doing you're doing a lot of cuts, a lot of a lot of motion with that blade, and if you don't have a blade that's gonna stay sharp for you, you then you're sawing with a dull knife, and you're like, I need to sharpen this, but I'm almost done with this leg, and then you poke yourself, and yeah, just keep your knife sharp. It glides through the meat so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better, just for all the reasons. Sharp is sharp is so much better. But you can, yeah, you can do Rubbermaid containers in the fridge or whatever. I hot take, I hate gambrels. You hate what? Gambrels that the dang things that they sell you uh, to hold both legs. Oh, yeah. so funny thing is, you know, I've got an abundance of uh, re rod at my dad's shop there. Yeah, you know, I took those and those into hooks and that's what i use just you just i hook one leg and maybe it's just because of how i how i learned but i just hook one one killies that rear leg and then when i'm when i'm parting the deer out taking the front shoulders you know just stay close to the carcass run all the way up make sure you get close to the back you're you're threading the needle between cutting through that cartilage of the shoulder blade and cutting into the tip of the back strap. So thread that needle. There is a layer there. If you're slicing and pulling it apart, you'll you'll be able to run that layer pretty easy. That's another thing that with uh, with a deer that's hung, they they piece out better. You can you can find those joints. It's had time to dry out a little bit. And as you're pulling the meat apart, you can find those muscle layers and joints run your knife along. So I always like, that's what I like about hanging mine upside down, is I find the tip of that back strap a lot easier from from the rear there. I always find that tip of that back strap cut out there, and then I, you, I can just basically peel it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even hardly even have to cut. Yeah. I just start peeling, a little bit cut here, a little bit cut there. There's hardly anything left yeah. on the on the ribs or the spine. So I've had a lot of luck with that, but I never knew where to stop at. So I'd always go quite a ways, almost up, damn, go, damn near into the, the neck. neck. Yeah, yeah, that's where I usually went. When to. I'm taking it off the off the carcass, that's less I have to cut off the carcass once I once yeah. I get to that. So I'm so I'm peeling off the front shoulders, then I take the back straps out, and then I take the free leg that's hanging free, no hook through it. I take that off, and then I take off the carcass is is clean and it's hanging by one leg so you cut the carcass loose slash a slash a, a handhold and in, in between ribs for you cut that cut that joint 
find the find the eye of that ball joint in the rear leg and once your carcass is done you got one leg left hanging there it's just seems to be the most efficient i can i can do a deer at the at the shop or in my shed and take it from field dressed with the skin on to completely debone it's just because of practice but i can debone a deer and we'll say an average size doe in 45 minutes maybe a little less that's, that's actually really impressive yeah there's there's faster out there but they're also uh they're also racing for for a video i'm yeah you see those guys out there you know skinning a deer in like 30 seconds yeah yeah and that's cool my first deer took me almost two hours actually i went in there and and uh mick being a farmer it was youth season he told me go ahead and skin that deer out and i said well well how do i i'm never i haven't skinned a deer and uh he's figure it out i don't know he came back an hour and a half two hours later maybe and I was getting down to the neck. I was doing pretty good. Because <laughs> he's, he's, what are you doing? He's like, you're still working on the skin of it? Yeah. Like, you didn't tell me how. I'm figuring it out. And now I can now I can peel the skin off of one in about five minutes. So uh, I don't want to speed us along too much. But uh, what, what, when, okay, so deer is shot, skun, gutted quartered deboned yep okay now how from that point on where do you where do you start deciding what's going to become ground what's going to become slice jerky what's going to become sausage what's going to become you know roast loin obviously the roast kind of speak themselves but where where are you going to make chops out of you know what what where do you start with that then? Mm-hmm. so a lot of it depends on what you want um if you want chops, the back straps go to chops. They're, they're some of the best meat. In the hind legs, you've got three roast. There's the, the football roast and there's two flats. Um, top sirloin, bottom round, and bottom, uh, bottom round. So your... You get, you get those cuts separated, and you got to decide. Do you want a roast for the crock pot? Well, that's going to be the football roast all day long. That's best in my this is all This is all my opinion. Football roast doesn't make great jerky. But those two, those two flat roasts make great jerky. Football roast has too many layers of sinew in it. and just winds up being chewer, chewier jerky, whole muscle jerky. Um. Some people, I mean, a lot of people take their deer to up there to Edgewood Locker and just have the whole thing turned into sticks, summer sausage, and jerky. They don't care for deer burger. This really depends on what you want. I actually found that, uh, real quick, that the ground deer that I use for burger seems to be far juicier than any beef I've ever had. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the way I prepare it. But in my experience, I've had juicier burgers with venison than I have. Just straight venison, nothing else Mm -hmm. than beef. So you're saying compared to ground beef that you bought at the store that is, what, 85%? Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you've you've had venison with 
no added fat venison burger that's juicier. It's yeah, I don't know why. I was actually really surprised. Hmm. It was interesting. You sure it was a deer, not a unicorn? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, you gotta try it. All right. Um Yeah, I, I I suppose if it's cooked right is the other thing. A lot of people overcook things. There's there's a there's a fine line somewhere in between safe temperature and uh and being dried the, the hell out you can well, well we'll finish up with the cuts so it really really depends on what you want the a lot of the meat off the front shoulder is going to get ground other than there's the it's the flat iron steak go to fairway get a get yourself a favor do your do yourself a favor get a flat iron steak you can get them in deer too, but they're they're pretty damn small. Yeah, they're, they're not very big, but they're delicious. Yeah, they're a great cut, and they're in the front shoulder of all places. Other than that cut in the front shoulder, that's to me that's all ground ground meat. Um, there's a lot of lot of layers of uh, sinew and connective tissue. Um, a lot of that the the sheath that's on the lower leg, all those sheaths they just they don't break down great. You can cook them low and slow, and they start to melt and get a little more tender, but then you have such thin amounts of meat in between those uh, layers of, of silver skin. It's just best to grind it. Um, so I, uh, some people might call it sacrilegious, but I, I use the back straps for jerky. Because it makes the best whole muscle jerky. I know it makes great chops too, but I'd rather munch on deer jerky than a chop. So it'll last longer too. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I do. And some people are like you use the back straps. <laughs> you nuts. You guys, I know we don't have video, but he said that my eyes got about the size of a dinner plate thinking about <laughs> just not eating it other than back straps. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, backstrap's delicious. I just, it, it makes such nice jerky. I love jerky. I'm going to have to try that this year because I actually started making my own jerky. And I found that ground jerky, it, it was okay. Mm-hmm. But I found that when I used whole muscle, it, it was so much more tender and just quite a bit better for myself. Yeah, I, I prefer whole muscle. But, I mean, the ground stuff, I think the ground stuff, the flavor gets through better i think the flavor comes out strong generally speaking comes out stronger with ground jerky well and we were we were trying jesse's meat earlier he brought some of his meat here yeah and uh he seasoned it very nicely one was uh bloody mary that one was pretty damn good and then he had uh what'd you say that other one was buttery prime rib oh man that was good Tastes should like call a hot it, beef sundae. Should call it, yeah, should call it a hot beef sundae or a pot roasted gravy. Well, and then we were also talking how, you know, like you said, people marinate their meat. And he said how it gets tacky on the outside. Well, I wash mine after I marinate mm-hmm. my whole muscle meat or jerky. I will run mine under water and wipe it off a little bit. And then I'll put it, you know, put some seasonings on it. And yeah, because the in marinade there. is already in there, you know. The yeah, yeah. Already, that's a, a thing I wanted to, to uh, talk about briefly at least is salt be it curing salts or table salt 
salt salt is is such an important thing salt is getting in into the muscle fiber it's it's uh it's hard to to say but you salt is sodium chloride it's getting in it's denaturing the muscle fibers so whether you're curing meat um for jerky or or you're you're getting ready to grill salt and then temperature um look up the temperature charts make your own educated uh there's there's rules to it to get a 70 kill rate that's why 165 is about an instant kill so don't you don't have to go there because you can get a 70 kill rate on bacteria um at 135 bacteria starts dying at 130 so you just have to leave it there at 135 for about two hours so if you cook deer slow and slow up to 150 let's say rule of thumb you're pretty darn safe if you take it slow getting it to 150 most of the bacteria is going to be died off i risk it i cook by well just the backstrap anyway low and slow to about 125 let it rest and throw it down the hatch yep and i'm a risk taker but it's damn delicious absolutely that's the thing uh, one of my friends before coming on here actually was arguing with me. He's like, 150 is overdone. You can't, that's, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. That's, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell people that. Well, for me, if you I'm do not it right, tell, it's still going to be tender. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people. I personally eat at about 135 finished temp after carryover and everything else. 135 is, is where I like my beef. It's where I like my deer. But I'm taking that risk. I'm not going to tell anyone else to take that risk. One, 150, low and slow, up to 150. Get yourself a good thermometer. It's huge. Even sous vide is probably the best way to go with that. Sure, because then you can cook the sucker to, to 135 and let it sit there for two hours, have it's a not legitimate 7D kill rate. Um, that 7D kill rate, uh, those that don't know, is you're looking at uh, ten less than 10 parts per per 10 million or one part per 10 million anyways a minute amount of bacteria that can survive at the 70 kill rate that's what the usda is basing off of they're giving those temperatures to you as uh they're making it simple so that the public can consume it because the public well a lot of us are kind of dumb there's not a lot of common sense anymore (laughs) but uh all right jess well I don't want to cut you off or nothing. Running out of time. Yeah, we're running out of time here. We'll have to come back and do a part two of this. I think we're definitely going to have to have a part two. So, everybody, let us know what you thought about this episode. Facebook, Instagram. We're on. uh, I'm going to be trying to get on iTunes here soon. Trying to get on other podcasting websites. So, just let us know. Give us a review. And, Jess, got any final words? No, man. Get out there. Hunt. Be safe. Know the outdoors.